Hello and welcome to a slightly delayed, but you know that you're happy to have us in your ears, French Football Weekly podcast. Uh, my name is Chris, I am your host. And before I begin, uh, I'm just going to ask one of our guests, uh, in fact, I'll ask both guests, have you parked your cars in the correct place? <laughs> Tom knows what I'm referring to. Jez, have you seen this story? Yeah, this is the Saint-Étienne, during the Saint-Étienne. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. If you haven't seen it, just have a look on the uh, the Liga and uh, Ligue 2 Twitter feeds. Very amusing. They had to halt the Saint-Étienne game because somebody or some people had parked their cars in the wrong places. Couldn't make it up. Anyway, as you probably have guessed, I have got Jez. And indeed, Tom is back with us. For He, he liked us so much, he wanted to come back for a second dose. So uh, welcome to you both. Thank you. Right. Uh, let's get into it then. Sadly, things have not improved for you, Tom. So um, he's going to be a little bit of a delve into the, you know, the, the great unknown once again of depression. But hey ho, we will do our best to keep it light and fluffy. Right. What we're going to do is because we are releasing this podcast a little bit later on in the week uh, due to illnesses and schedules, we've uh, wanted to make sure that we put something out this week. So what we're going to do is run through the results of two match days because we did have a full program last week and obviously the program at the weekend so i'm going to whip through the results and then we will drill down into some individual teams and talking points so wednesday the 11th of january uh, it's a whole week ago now ajaxio uh, lost at home to rouse who continued their good spell under will still um, and tessie with the winning goal in that one uh, i'll say uh, rather surprisingly i thought lost at home but not just lost they got absolutely hammered by toulouse five nil uh, Shabai, Ruyo, uh, Vanden Boomen, Abu Klal coming back off this World Cup and Delinga with the goals there. Also, rather surprisingly, Ren, who we'll come on to a bit later on, they lost away at Claremont. Uh, KE with the opener, Kellen Wendo equalised, but Gestian with a 90th minute winner. Ren ended the game with nine men when Burugar and Amari were sent off. Uh, Nantes nil, uh, sorry, Nantes nil, Leon nil. Can't say that without a, without a drink. And Brest nil. Little I couldn't nil. watch the match without a drink. No, it wasn't the best, was it? I thought it was going to be decent. No, it really wasn't. Both games of those two uh, pretty poor affairs. Nil-nil draws. Lorient 2, Monaco 2. Um, bittersweet for me. Monaco took the lead in this one through Brian Bolo. But Dango Atara, sigh. And uh, Terra Moffi, sigh. Put uh, Lorient 2-1 up inside uh, two crazy second half minutes or four, if you, if you count the celebrations, but only for Wissam Benyeda to equalise in the very last minute with a header. Uh, nice, absolutely. Monaco did hit the bar three times, to be fair. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I, I can't yeah, I can't deny. I think Monaco did deserve something out of the game, but having been 2-1 up and conceding that late was a little bit tough. Anywho, um, what is certainly tough is, uh, and it's not the reason that Phil's not here, by the way, um, but um, she's not having a great time because Montpellier are really in the doldrums. They lost 6-1 to Montpellier, uh, sorry, to Nice last week. Nicola Pepe, Kieran Turan, Pepe's second, Andy Delore, and two late goals from Ross Barkley. Uh, one consolation from, of course, Teji Savanier because it's always Teji Savanier, but not good times for Montpellier. Uh, PSG, sorry, Tom. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, but uh, they did win 2-0 at home to Angers, Ekitike and Messi with the goals in that particular game. Uh, Strasbourg and Lens played out a 2-2 draw. We'll certainly talk about Strasbourg because there's been some changes there. We'll come on to that in a minute. But uh, certainly had the effect, didn't it, with uh, Lons taking the lead through Claude Maurice. Perchich equalised. Kevin Gamero got them in front. Two goals in three minutes there before Luis Sapenda, who's 
one of the most informed strikers in Europe at the moment, getting the equaliser for Lens. And finally, in the midweek games, Marseille won 2-0 away at Troyes. Chancel and Bemba coming up with quite a few goals this season. And Jordan Veritu, um, equally so. Two and two for him now, which is absolutely bonkers. Good win that for Marseille. Coming on to the weekend's action then, this was Saturday and Sunday's fixtures. Uh, saw the action get off underway with another win for Lons at home to Osea. Tight one this one, but Frankowski's penalty proving the difference. Triero was dismissed for the visitors who are not having a good time of it. Marseille unfortunately did turn over L'Oreal against the runner play. Tara Moffi, the lovely volley from a corner, put L'Oreal in front. But uh, then the ex-Arsenal connection, of course, Sai Kolesinac. Uh, equalising before Alexis Sanchez hit one of the goals of the weekend. Uh, really good turn and finish. And then the aforementioned Jordan Veritu, with his second in two games, secured the points for Igor Tudor's men. Uh, Leon, we'll certainly talk about them. Lost again, this time at home to previously mentioned Strasbourg side. Alohu with a, a cracker from a corner. And then Habib Diaw. <laughs> did you did either, any, either of you guys see this goal, the, the second goal for Strasbourg? Yeah, who I keep meaning to to check. Was it um Mendez with the comedy defending or um it would well, I mean it, it was Mendez, but it, it was Mendez, it was Lopez, it was Boateng's positioning, it, it was all sorts. I think Mendez was a bit unfortunate as he bundled the ball kind of into the into the net with the touch from Dial, but it was just comedy like I think Bo- Boateng's comedy. positioning was particularly bad because he didn't play. Um, was it <laughs> sorry, Boateng. Um Thing. Who am I thinking of? Um, Croatian mm. lad. Diomande? No. Lovren. Lovren, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw uh, Boateng under the bus. That's harsh. Uh, yeah, sorry. Lovren's positioning. They're just off. We'll come on to Leon, but yeah. Uh, Lacazette's penalty got them back into it just before half time. Um, and then it was the Alamo for the second half, but they could not find the equaliser. So good win that for Strasbourg, who certainly enjoyed it in the rain. Uh, Lille enjoyed themselves on Sunday as well as they won 5-1 at home to Troyes. Some big scores, actually, this weekend. Uh, Bio making the most of a rare start. Jonathan David notching a couple. In fact, Bio got two in this game. And Virginius with also with a strike as well. Mama Balde with scant consolation for Troyes. Um, sorry, Tom, here we go again. Angers, unfortunately, did lose again. This time at home to Clermont. Rashani and Neto Borges with the goals for Clermont Buffal we mentioned uh, last time, did get one back, but it was not enough, sadly. And uh, Montpellier's poor week, that continued as they lost at home to Nantes. Uh, again, there's a goal in this, this game that's worth looking up. If you haven't seen it, Andre Girotto's absolute screamer uh, put uh, Nantes in front, a good 30-odd yards out, before Mah- Mustafa Mohamed and Ludovic Blas got the second and third, respectively. Montpellier can't behave themselves either. Two more red cards in this game for Kazri and Eli Wahi. And I'm pretty sure Wahi was sent off against Leon, wasn't he, recently? So not having a good time of it, bless him. Uh, Rams and Nice drew nil-nil in a game that I really wish I could get a refund on because it was terrible. Toulouse and Brest uh, also shared the spoils in a 1-1 draw. Steve Mounier still scoring goals for Brest and Abu Klal with his second in a week for Toulouse. Monaco went absolutely mental as they beat uh, Ajaxio by seven goals to one. Uh, they were 2-0 uh, up inside six minutes. Disasi and Diata before Belayli pulled one back for Ajaxio, but that was the only highlight of their day as Swiss and Benyeda scored a hat-trick in just, I think it's just under 15 minutes. Uh, one of them, of course, was a penalty, naturally. And um, Brilan Bolo having another good time of it with a couple for him as well. Not a good day for Ajaxio. 
And finally, uh, Ren against PSG, which is probably where we'll start our kind of look back at the weekend's action. Uh, Hamari Troy, the captain, with a lovely turn and finish to dispatch Christophe Gaultier's men, um, who were very off colour, I think it's fair to say. Ren were fantastic, and they took the points. Let's um, let's start then. Let's start drilling down into the action. Um, Tom, let me start with you. What, what do you... What do you make of what's going on at PSG at the moment? We were talking pre-podcast. They're in Saudi Arabia at the uh, in Abu Dhabi, sorry, at the moment for this um, sort of glamour tie, and they're releasing lovely new kits. But you know that's all the that's all the fancy stuff on the pitch. It's not really going very well, is it? And at the risk of kicking away a blind man's stick, and you would be able to speak well on this. The win over Angers was fairly routine, and probably you would have expected defeat there. They haven't really impressed though, have they? This defeat to Rennes and the defeat to Lons, they're not in yeah. a good place, are they, at the moment? I mean, we, yeah, I mean, when we talked about, well, I guess the discussion before the World Cup was what would these players be like when they came back and would kind of improve right in some ways. Um, it, it could it could take a few a few more games, I don't really know. But yeah, like speaking as an Angers fan from the Angers game, <laughs> I was very surprised they um, only beat us 2-0, really. And for portions of that game, Andre actually controlled the ball quite well. Um, unfortunately, they're a terrible team at the moment. Um, but, you know, a, a better, more confident team probably would have put PSG in more danger. And we can see that, you know, Ren and, and Lonsa are good enough to uh, to do that. Genesio seems to have this, <laughs> this knack of um, just uh, beating PSG quite often, mm. no, matter, no matter where he is. What do you sort of think in terms of, I know form isn't everything and we'll come on to like, is there a title race or not? Because I guess we have to address that question. But is this, does this sort of smack of a bigger situation for PSG? Because we all know that what they want is that Champions League. And mm. although Bayern Munich have yet to get back into action post World Cup because the German break is a bit longer, it, it's not it's not great, is it? We're a few weeks away from that particular fixture, but it, it's not a great build-up. There's no... There doesn't seem to be any fluency in that team. And as all of us have said for a number of years now, without Verratti, they look half the side in midfield in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that buying games, what, in a month's time, I think? They've got quite yeah. a few games. Yes, Valens so got the, this. Yeah, oh, is it? How romantic. <laughs> um, they've got the... So this weird game, whatever's happening. Um, to, is it today or tomorrow? Um, and then they've got the... Coupe de France game against a sixth tier side, I believe. I might be fifth, I think yeah, sixth tier. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty low down the leaves, yeah. Yeah, and then they've got that. They've got a run of might be three or four games. So to get them up to speed, really, before that Bayern Munich game. Um, so it, I mean, you'd think that they'd. I mean, we've seen this in the past, really. That even when they're not performing in league and they sort of just slump. And then as they get ready for the the big games, but I I don't know I don't I'm not sure if it'll I'm not sure if it'll work this time or not. Yeah. I think I'm really interested to see how Galtier actually does in in Europe because we know he's a very astute coach. Obviously, he's won the league with with Lille, but I'd like to see how far he can get them from a tactical point of view, especially with that that front three. How flexible can he really be with what he wants to do? Yeah, that's one of the questions for sure. What, what, what mm. do you, what's your thoughts, Jez, their last two games? I mean, that, that Ren game in particular, it just, 
it just kind of brought back all those oh god it, it's this psg again to me like messi clearly isn't sort of back in psg mindset as of yet he was pretty anonymous and neymar equally so mbappe came on missed one very presentable chance i don't think you can sort of hold that against him to a standing ovation i should say the ren supporters gave him a, a very very loud round of applause but it, it does it i don't know something about that squad there's talk of fabian ruiz not being happy as criticism for Carlos Soler. They were the two big signings in the summer. Kimpembe still not fit, whether that's a blessing in disguise or not. It's, it's just very janky, I think is the word I'm going to use, isn't it, Jez? What, what's your, what do you make of it all at the moment? Well, I, mean, I quite like what um, what Tom said about you know, how flexible Gautier can be, which I guess can be read in two ways. Does that mean sort of how capable he's, how flexible he's capable of being or how flexible he's allowed to be. Mm. Um, you know, is he, God forbid, allowed to drop Neymar, for example? Um, you know, Mbappe came straight back into the team, has been working his socks off for a few years now. I think he, you know, he'd earned a couple of weeks break. Messi earned three weeks break. Neymar's had a little, slightly longer than those two. Um, you know, it, all the stuff about players coming back from the World Cup and they're tired. I'm not even sure if people are saying they should be getting more of a rest or we should be giving them more time to get back to to sort of full speed. But I just, I don't really buy it too much. I think, you know, enough, there have been other teams that had players that were being represented deep into the World Cup and those players have come back and still been performing. So I think it's it's a poor excuse, especially considering that PSG have a, a reasonably deep squad. Um, I guess on the plus side, we're seeing players like Zaire Emery getting a chance. And, and I still feel like if PSG were to kind of come out and say, give us a year or two to transition and, and change our... our um, philosophy yeah i don't want to say i don't want to say project or um, identity even. Yeah. yeah or just you know we are gonna we've got some brilliant young players we are going to give them a chance but you need to be patient with them you can't expect us to walk the league and win the champions league with these players but we're hoping in a couple of years it will sort of bear fruit if they were to do that fine but as long as they're still saying no no this is still a galactico project and we're going to win the what we're going to win the champions league then you know they've got to find the balance and as ever it's not really the sort of lesser lights who are underperforming um it's it's those big stars and yeah Messi I think there's definitely an element of of sort of mitigation and I do think I think he's professional enough that he'll he'll sort of get back to a decent level of form but I'm not sure it will be what we saw in the first few months Neymar I'd be shocked if he does come close to what we saw the first few months and then in terms of Gautier I just well, sorry, first of all, just like there's other players like Vitinha as well, who um, looks so happy. good at the start, but just mm. doesn't seem as good when Verratti's not there. Mm. Um, which, yeah, as you said, again, just shows how important he is to the midfield. Um, Marquinhos just still looks a shadow of the player he was. So there's, 
<laughs> again, there's issues all the way through the squad. I still don't think Donnarumma is anywhere near as convincing or as consistent as Navas. I still don't understand that. And as an aside, maybe I don't know if it's anything to do with the fact that they're playing PSG, but I'm I'm stunned that Bayern haven't tried to bring Navas in. Yeah, um, that would make sense, wouldn't it, with their problems with Neuer? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, there's still all the same problems. And, you know, I was listening to Julien Laurence, who's obviously a PSG fan, criticising Gautier the other day. I, you know, th- these are really good coaches coming and going, and they're all crashing and burning in, the, in similar ways. And at some point, someone's got to turn around and say, it's not the coach's fault. There's other stuff that's kind of more insidious and or more sort of ingrained here that we need to sort out. And mm. whether... I know that I've just said it hundreds of times before, whether it's sort of Neymar below him or Al-Khalifi above him, as long as you're persisting with some of these things that have just proven year after year not to work, then then you're going to have issues. And I, I still think that this PSG squad with a slightly better midfield, I think Soler has been very disappointing. I don't really know why they brought him in. Ruiz, I think, hasn't been great, but has had his moments. Um I do think it's a better midfield than they've had previously. And if they can get the front three all playing the way they played the first half of the season, then, of course, they're they're capable of beating anyone in the Champions League. So, in a way, I still think they're better placed. And arguably, you know, again, it all comes down to sort of how prejudiced you are against Ligue 1, how much you want to sort of use PSG as a stick to beat the the whole league. You know, when, when, when PSG do badly in the Champions League, it's because they're not being challenged in Ligue 1. Now, they're being challenged. They're being, you know, they've been beaten by two of their closest rivals. It's not just a case of them taking their eye off the ball. They were outplayed by two very good teams. Um, So now it's, I suppose, in a way, it's for them to prove that, not on behalf of Ligue 1, but, um, you know, if now they do well in the Champions League, maybe it proves some of those people right. Um, if they do badly, then no doubt Lee Gao will still still be slagged off. But you know, maybe some other teams should be given more credit, and people should stop saying that it's always a cakewalk for PSG. You know, they haven't, despite their millions, they've lost three titles that they should have won, and it does look like at the moment, unless they get their their act together, there could well be um, a sustained challenge from from Lance who. You know, they'll be kicking themselves that they only drew against Strasbourg because they could be even closer. Mm. And there is this sort of thought process that, that oh, well, Lons will drop off, you know, they'll drop away eventually. But there's no signs of it happening at the moment. And, you know, but they could do. But as I think, as we yeah. said, that um, there's the way the season has worked out probably plays into their hands. Um, there's such a good feel-good factor there. You know, f- the fact that Fafana signed an extension where he could mm. more or less have his pick of any team in Europe is a huge thing. There's two or three players set to sign extensions this week. I think Medina did today. Yeah, um, yeah. there's no reason why they can't maintain this form, I don't think. Yeah, agreed, agreed. We could um, we could spend hours on PSG, but there is plenty more in the league. So uh, let's, let's go on to our next subject. And um, for me, it, it has to be the two sackings that we saw. And Subsequent changes in managership at, at the clubs, those being Nice and Strasbourg, uh, Lucien Favre uh, being dismissed by 
niece um, replaced by Didier Digger, who I must admit I had no idea looked like Coach Beard from Ted Lasso these days. Um, but a former player and former international and you know sort of a recognisable name, whether that's an interim position or not, we shall see. But had a very good result in that Montpellier game and sort of less so at the weekend with a nil-nil draw. Um, we may come on to him in a second, but I want to talk Strasbourg for first. Um, I'll stick with you first on this one, Jez. Julian Stefan losing his job, of course, just after we'd finished the, the pod last week, naturally. he, um, I think his time had sort of come, but rather than focusing on his dismissal, I, I kind of want to talk about what's happened to them since, because that win over Leon, yes, they there was a bit of shithouse involved. I mean, they had to dig very deep. But Lascone, the new coach who was part of uh, Stefan's backroom stuff, I'm not mistaken, he's come in and he seems to have made them a little bit more robust. It looks like there's a bit more fight, a bit of character. It's two good results on the spin and, and that win away at Leon shows that they can dig in and, and to hold the aforementioned Lons to a 2-2 draw is no mean feat either. What do you um, what do you make of that position? I mean, is it a classic case of uh, sort of... Um, member of staff comes in does quite well they'll probably give him the job and then they'll end up getting relegated the next season is it one of those or or would you stick with with him and and sort of see out this project because so far so good that you can say that much yeah I think you've got to wait and see I mean there might just be a sort of not a new manager bounce but you know caretaker manager bounce I always Broom. always kind of think that um I don't know I just I think we've talked about this before, like, you know, when, when you know a manager's leaving at the end of the season or suddenly a new manager comes in and suddenly some players who seem disinterested suddenly interested again. I always think sometimes, okay, it might be that, you know, genuinely some kind of spark has gone with the previous coach. And sometimes you think you're a professional footballer. You should be giving your all every match, not suddenly playing for your place, you know, just because the coach has changed. So we'll see. But yeah, I think the last one was... That for me was in a way the more impressive result. Um, the Leon one, I only watched the first half of that, but I I mean, I yeah, we talked about the the second, you know, the first goal was a, a screamer and the second one was a horrific defensive error. But I thought Leon absolutely dominated that half. And yeah. for me, that that was it was sort of daylight robbery in a way. Mm. So yeah, great, you know, four points from two games, but um you know, you get away with a sort of couple of lucky results, but you need to see over over a period of time whether he, you know, he he really is capable of of sort of changing the team and pulling them out of of relegation trouble or not. Um, Stefan, we've spoken about before, is a very accomplished coach, but or you know, he hasn't had a very long career, but has done impressive things with both Ren and and Strasbourg, but also just seems to kind of function on sort of Mourinho-like kind of knife edge of tension, which can, you know, obviously is fine when it's going well and not so good when it when it doesn't. And I'm sort of slightly surprised he lasted this long, actually. So um, I certainly don't think it was a shock that he went. As I said, it might be that the players are just playing with a little bit more freedom now. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be giving giving Scornay the, the job straight away yet. No. 
No, that's fair, fair play. I think the next three fixtures is probably going to be an interesting watch because they're home to Toulouse, who suddenly found a bit of form away at Rennes and then home to Montpellier, which at the moment is a, is a gimme, but things can change. So we shall see. What about the other side of the coin, uh, Tom, for, for, uh, for Nice? A lot of talk in the English press overnight that the, uh, Jim Ratcliffe is, is very interested in Manchester United. Does that almost kind of sum up where Nice are as a club at the moment, having parted ways with, with Favre and brought in Didier Degas. They look a little bit like a club that doesn't really know where it's going. Mm. And, and now their owner is off flashing the cash at, at the next bit of skirt, to use an old fashioned <laughs> phrase. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what, what do you make of Nice and what's going on there? Yeah, I think I actually mentioned it on the last, on the last podcast about um, Jim Rafferty. Yes, he, yeah. was, he was from Manchester. Mm. Um and he, he probably won't be able to... Well, he, he's in also one of the few entities that can actually afford the billions or whatever that, that's probably being advertised for United. Um, but like you said, Nice don't really know... The club, we don't, well, the club doesn't know what direction they're really headed in. Um, whether they... Had, well, it, it's difficult because it's obviously can, you can't really have multiple ownership competing the same is we can't have it in the same Champions League or any European competition I think although don't Salzburg and Leipzig get away with it I might be confused yeah I I think you're right I think there is some sort of rule that you can't own I think it's in the same competition yeah yeah, you're right so that would be the same group can't own two yeah I'm sure Salzburg and Leipzig have done it, haven't they? Or I'm making in the it Champions League, yeah. I I must admit, I'd have to look into that. I thought there was that, yeah. some some sort of rule there, yeah. Although there yeah. is inevitably a way to fudge around it, I'm sure. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, throw enough money. At. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's difficult with Nice because they've they've obviously they, they have invested quite a lot of money into that squad, and they've got plenty of great players. I mean, you know, Kevin Toram's really great, and um, but. Again, we've we've mentioned it that, that just weird signings of you know Barkley or Ramsey, I just don't really get. Um and Schmeichel as well, who hasn't been particularly great this season. Uh, I mean it sums up when back. what's his name? I can't remember. Is that um Joe Bryan, is it? Joe Bryan, I think. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's just just odd transfers. Um that probably sort of I don't know, put more I don't know, sort of unbalanced them perhaps or it's all, I, I think a lot of a lot of football is just about momentum. It, that kind of thing just just I don't know unbalances them perhaps. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean it's quite funny that the only I mean going <laughs> to talk about Ange, but for a second, but the only two teams Ange beat this season are Montpellier and Nice, and both their manage the both the, those clubs sack their managers. Yeah, so it's not a great sign. I think they but... might have. I think they're. No, I think Comboire is still at Nantes, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah he's managed well, to who, turn who knows with around, uh, yeah. yeah, who knows with um, their ownership. So mm. I was just thinking that the only clubs that have got points against are Auxerre, who also got rid of their manager, but none have, have kept theirs for now. Yeah. Um, it feels like yeah. feels like a clear-out's needed, doesn't it, with Nice? Like, it feels like they sort of yes. almost need to go at the end of the season right. They just need, yeah, to an actual, I don't know, a, a fixed idea of where they're actually going. Yeah, um, with their ownership and with us, with their squad as well, because it's like we say, it's just kind of a mess. Yeah, and what's achievable as well, you know, like 
I think they came in with all this initial thought of, oh, we're going to be Champions League, we're going to be challenging for the title. And it's like one step at a time, you know, just take it easy. And by the way, their next three fixtures, Lille, away at Lens, away at Marseille, not easy That's for them. Yeah, tough. so uh, not not looking good, bruv. Um, speaking of not looking good, Jez, let's let's poke the bear March Leon again, because why not, you know? Um, you did mention that game with Strasbourg. So rather than focusing on that one, because I think it's fair to say, like you said, they did deserve to at least take something from that game, if not win it. But all is not well there in terms of there is now suggestions that Blanc is under a bit of pressure. They can't seem to sell some assets. The, this whole trope that we mentioned on the last pod of bringing the band back together is is not really working. I mentioned uh, Lovren's debut was not exactly great. Um, and and what's I think what's more worrying if I was a Leon fan at the moment, and I do have a soft spot for them, is the form of some of the established players. I mean, barring Lacazette, like Lopez's form seems to be seems to have dipped quite a lot. Um, they've they've got this sort of this project youth, I suppose that you would normally call it, which we all know what what Leon can do in terms of producing players. But I feel like even some of their younger talent, like I really like Malo Gusto, um, he's just being swamped down his side. Rayon Shirky just looks like a bundle of energy, but is ripe for the picking for a you know a club like a Bayern Munich or somebody who wants to take a stab at a young talent. I feel like he would go. Um, and then you've got these sort of journeyman players like your Thiago Mendes, is it? we mentioned Toliso, Roman Fairview, they want to get out, but there's no takers. It's just a big mess, really, isn't it? I didn't even mention Kakare in the list of sellable assets there that no one's come in for yet. What what do you think is not working with Blanc? Like what why is this not? Why have we not seen the, as you mentioned earlier, the, the, the new manager bounce with them? I mean, to, to an extent, it's a little bit like what you said of PSG. I, I, I'm not sure to what extent this this comes down to whoever happens to be sort of sitting in the in the manager's role at the moment. There, there seems to be something um, sort of deeper in, in there. And, and again, I also sort of similar to what I said about PSG, I saw they they released some stats today about the the number of minutes that um the amount that French clubs sort of give give minutes or playing time to uh to their youth products and I don't know if they're counting sort of a returning Lacazette and Toliso within that but Lyon were miles ahead of all the other teams and uh by the way Marseille were bottom with 0.0% but um I, if Lyon were to say, "Look, we're going back to to our old policy," and so give some of these young players a chance, and you've got, you know, Kambedi and and Lukeba and and Kakare and Le Penon, okay, he's not not from Lyon, but another young player. You've got Cherki, who you know we've been waiting for years for him to to sort of come through, and and I I think he has definitely been one of the bright spots since since um Blanc came in that he's been given a chance and I do think he's he's starting to sort of show more of a sense of responsibility to try to take games by the scruff of the neck make better decisions less showboating so there are some positives there and again the frustrating thing as you said is that it's the more more established players who are who are disappointing but you know is it that much of a shock to see that Lovren isn't fantastic you know, Leon Not really experienced that. <laughs> Tokoe can be, you know, as usual, I think Leon fans are really being a li- picking a player and being a little bit too harsh. But, 
you know, he's not a prolific goal scorer. And if that's what you're looking for, or if that's what you're relying on from him, then you're in a bit of trouble anyway. Though I, just, I literally just saw to, to sort of my semi-amusement, apparently Southampton might be interested in him. Um, it's, it's frustrating because you look at the squad and although it's not a stunning, spectacular squad, there should be more than enough there, particularly again with, with an element of depth to it, that they should easily be challenging for Champions League places. And the fact that they're not shows that there, there's something seriously wrong there. And, you know, again, maybe it's because of what's been happening off the pitch with the protracted takeover. Maybe it's to do with the, you know, for the last few years now, there seems to be a lack of clarity as to who actually is in charge and calling the shots. And I still maintain that for all his, all the, all that French football seems to hate him. I think the rot set in as soon as Olas started delegating. I think <laughs> they'd have been better off if he carried on running the whole thing as a dictator because he seemed to be doing a better job than anyone he's delegated various different roles to ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and yeah, they're, they're really not in a good place. And, you know, yeah, we can say that they've been a little bit unlucky the last couple of matches, but there is an element of truth to the fact that you sort of make your own luck and, and um, well, you know, not that it evens out, but if you're creating enough chances sooner or later, you're going to put some of them away, for example. And and that, that wasn't happened to an extent against Strasbourg, but then they, they ran out of ideas and, you know, I know I sort of tease and you refer to it about, um, Ben Yedder's penalties, but it feels like most of Lacazette's goals this year have actually been penalties as well. As we're thinking, mm. it certainly feels like that. So, yeah, there's problems there that run deep, and and um, I do feel like it's something that's been on its way for a while. I mean, to to go a little bit melodramatic, you could say this. You know, the, they started heading in the wrong direction when they brought in players like. Jean Macoun or, or or Goku for a, for a huge sum and and it's kind of gradually snowballed. Flo getting, like I've said you know bringing in Janino and, and undermining Florian Maurice I think was a huge mistake and and we've seen in England as well you know arguably Man United with Arsenal until this year it takes it can sort of a team that's at the very top for a very long time can very quickly drop off and and it takes a while to get back mm. and and the the irony of course as well is when they look across at what Genesio is now doing at Ren that must be <laughs> must be quite quite uh hard to take I know yeah but that's why the Tucker Canby thing I think you know he became the sort of scapegoat for everything for the Leon fans and and hope, hopefully they're they're sort of regretting that now because it was always ridiculous to put it all on him yeah although his footwork around bins uh, does need improving um, <laughs> if you know you know uh, he was booed off unfortunately for him and uh, took his frustrations out on the bin which bit back and then some um we'll leave leon in in, in the dirt unfortunately for them i feel like we we kind of have to address before we talk title race and whatnot i feel like we have to address some of the strugglers um now if you we will talk on share here tom so feel free to um to pour out some more some more home truths um but yeah things are not getting any better with eight points um i also kind of want your opinion on on upsaya 
um, and Montpellier, which I may drill into a bit more with Jez in a second, but um, maybe we should touch on some of the off the field things with Angers as well. Um, if you want to bring people to light on what's always what's, off the field things. With Angers. Yeah. What's transpired. <laughs> yeah. Go, go for it. Um, well, uh, Jez just sent me the, the, the keep thing um, article and it had, he sent me the link and it was just Batik. And I knew immediately before I even clicking the link, what it was going to be about. So I'm, I'm well, I'm yet to read the article basically, but he um, is taking the club to court over his dismissal, yeah. which if you're an Angers fan, we just love um, our former employees taking us to court. Uh, it's kind of the thing that we do. <laughs> so the last, well, the first person that was sacked that sort of precipitated this crumbling um, of the club two years ago was, was PQ. He took the club to court. They had to pay him back, uh, ordered to pay him back a I think it was a few million. Uh, our legendary captain, uh, Shaken Doy, took the club to court uh, over a contract he was promised. The club was ordered to pay him uh, sums. I don't know how much it was. I think it might be half a million off the top of my head. And then last month or so, our other former sporting director, um, what's his name? Larcier, took the club to court. We're ordered to pay him. You can sort of see the theme here. And then now um, Batik has done, well, he's going to do the same. Um, so, uh, yeah, not, not surprising at all. Um, and it just kind of goes on and on and on, to be honest. Sums um, it up a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. The game against Claremont, Andre were just terrible. I mean, in the, in the, I don't know, the, the few games since Basique hasn't been coached and, uh, Buhazama has been, has been in charge. They've actually been all right. I have no idea how they've lost some of the games. And I was looking actually at their stats this season and they've come, well, I think I, I think the worst ever performance was Trois a few years ago, which was eighteen points. Um, I think Trois might have been on eight points at half halfway through that season. They drawn eight times. <laughs> um, I think the other one might have been uh, Avignon, and they had twenty points at the end of the season. So Angers are on good form to beat both of those uh, teams to a, a record. I think the longest losing streak might be twelve. We're on eleven at the moment. That's pretty good. And then but when you look, it's so painful because of those last 11 games, eight of them have been decided by one goal. Mm. <clears throat> and like a few of them, like the, the Wren goal and, and you know, other, others were, were last-minute ones. Very painful to watch. Yeah. Um, but uh, it just keeps going on and on. And I think the head of communications, who's a very controversial figure, who I don't particularly like, um, came out in a statement, I think, I can't remember which general, uh, newspaper he was talking to, basically saying, oh, we're not the players, so it's down to the players. <laughs> everything <laughs> everything behind the scenes is, is it, we're still you know all together and the club are posting. And he's basically using the club's own Twitter account to go after journalists mm. and then be proved wrong. It's just a joke, basically. I don't know. It. Yeah, we're, we're kind of like the... the um, I don't know, the, the joker of the league at the moment. Um, mm. You know, the laughing stock, I guess. Um, and it just keeps going on. <laughs> it just doesn't stop. Um, <laughs> you think it would at some point, but it, uh, it kind of goes on and on and on. And um, I mean, there's some, I guess they have to pretend like they, they we think we can survive, which realistically, eight. I mean, mathematically we can survive, but we'd have to get 
what with four teams going down, maybe forty points, forty-two. Yeah. So that means you have to have thirty-two points after the well from the next half of the season, possible. But given the um, the current form at the club, I don't know. I think the next month of um, fixtures they play some uh, like Ajaxio and Strasbourg, maybe. So we'll mm. know definitively. But yeah, it just keeps going on. On uh, I'll be here to uh, sit and wallow. Take it all in. As I mentioned, yeah. I say, I mean, they're the logical ones to try and hunt down. They're in a, a rotten runner form. But yeah, the problem you've got is that even if you win a couple of games, which in itself seems tough to think about at the moment, you're relying on others to drop points as well, which is the, mm. that's the worry, isn't it? And that's the sort of, uh, yeah, concerning situation that, that they're in. Um, and then above that, Jaxio, three straight defeats. You know, again, you'd think they'd be catchable, but eight points, to th- even to 13 in Osea is, is a big jump. Um, if you can get yeah. to that 13, 14 points, then you've got a cluster of teams where you could arguably, you know, pull some points back. But yeah, I think it might be tough. Um, Impossible just, might be the word. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it would just be sweet relief just to be... You know, I know, Just I know one, some a point, a single point. Oh, <laughs> wow, that would be amazing. And I think, I think you talked to. We will touch on Ligue 2 towards the end of the pod, but um, I think you talked to some Saint Etienne or maybe Bordeaux fans. They might actually say that in a weird way, getting relegated was sweet relief from or release from the stresses of Ligue 1. And at least they can rebuild and come back. But it seems like a long way away. Um, Jez, are, are, are Phil's beloved Montpellier at risk of of dropping into this clutch because they are. I mean, they look hopeless at the moment. Like, unless Savanier scores, they don't score. They've, as we mentioned sort of earlier on, they've now changed coach as well. Seems like a bit of a directionless club right now. And there isn't a huge amount of sellable assets to even, you know, move on and then bring in, bring in other players. They are, there's always that one club, isn't there, that sleepwalks into relegation. And for a club that won the league within our lifetime, that seems to be unthinkable. But Having watched, as we just mentioned, Sonetti and Bordeaux go, it's not beyond possibilities with their form, is it? No, definitely not. I mean, um, I think they, they've won one match since September. Yikes. Um, that was against Lorient. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and they've lost their last four, including a, a Coupe de France upset. Mm, and, amateurs. Yeah. 6 1 and 3 0. Last two matches have been you know, pretty horrific. Mm. And yeah, the six one against you know new manager bounce, but still not good enough. And I just it's uh, I think it's a bit harsh on on the likes of Wai to say it's just about um, it's all about Savanier, but it does feel like he's the one who makes them tick. That they are very reliant on Wai up front. W- what worries me is that I think probably the sendings off. I know. Mm. You know, Reims had a lot, especially at the start of the season, and have turned it around a bit. But it's the when you've got players like Kasri, okay, I don't think there was there was any malice in what he did. But when you've got senior players, I think Savania maybe relatively recently got sent off. Yeah, I did. Yeah, when you got Laurie, I think it might have been. Yeah, yeah. When you got senior players, sort of just not going off the rails, but not showing example to the younger players in the squad. is that kind of thing that sort of total loss of discipline, which which speaks to something more than just a sort of temporary loss of form on the pitch? So, yeah, I, I definitely think there's there's worries there. Um, you know, there, it looks like Leconte is coming back 
as goalkeeper, which you know might be a bit of a feel good factor for 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 mm. both parties. I think Omling was doing well enough. Yeah, um, I didn't see that. I, admit. That's, that's, I, I like Lacombe. I must, must confess. It's part yeah. of the whole Bayern thing. So Sommer was going oh. to Bayern as long as, um, as long as Omling went to Gladbach, and Omling could go to Gladbach as long as Montpellier brought in a keeper. So he brought back. Transfer um, dominoes. Yeah, Estev has been the latest player linked with, um, Nottingham Forest. Mm. So not latest because I think Chris Wood is now the latest because. <laughs> God forbid they should go more than an hour without bringing another player in. Um, so, you know, that's another promising youngster who could leave. It looks like there's a reasonable chance that um, Kuyate could be signed from Mess. And mm-hmm. he is a very good centre-back. But if you're looking for someone to sort out your disciplinary problems, I'm not sure he's your answer. Um so yeah, there there are issues there, and and again, it's sort of mystifying because you know there's no way that I don't think that their sort of starting eleven is anywhere anywhere near the you know among the the four worst in the league. But no, um, it's not always about that. You can sort of again when you're on a slippery slope, it's it's sort of quite hard to to stop that. Mm. And there's some experienced players there, like you know, like Seferi and Germain, who you'd hope. Obviously, Sacco and Julian defence as well. You'd hope would be able to 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 steady the ship, I guess. But um, at the same time, probably not many of them have ever experienced relegation fights. And so, if they, you know, if they do find themselves right down there at the end of the season, that yeah, they could really be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I think Cosa is another one that could be linked, looked at and linked away. I didn't realise he's only 24. I thought he was older than that. So, And then Mavadidi, whose form has gone off a cliff. He was very good last year and it's just not happening for him this year. So there are some sellable assets, but um, we shall see, I guess. We shall see what happens with them. Um, before we sort of go on to sort of a bit of a uh, cross-pollination with the French national team, and we're going to look at Ligue 2 as well, I wanted to talk about ironically Lorient um more more so kind of this ownership um aspect Tom I'll, I'll start with you I want to get both your thoughts on this but the the discussion around sort of Lorient at the moment is is players out and, and in particular there's this Dango Watara deal with Bournemouth and this comes about as Bournemouth take a 40% ownership stake in Lorient just on a wider point um, from Lorient as, as a whole, but just in a, a wider point for the league. We all know that sort of quote-unquote big leagues do tend to poach league and talent, but when you've now got clubs coming in and being owned, much like Man City own, um, have a stake in, it's twice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it? It's not great for the league, is it, when somebody buys a stake in a club like it's happened with Lorient and then literally within a week, their best player is gone, like, they've barely the ink has barely dried on the contract and they're taking assets away it's not great is it for the for the league but on the other hand do you maybe sit on the side of the fence and says well yes but look at the money that's coming in to the clubs perhaps I mean, this is kind of the trend of football um these days whether that people prefer it or not um especially with the, the money that's in a lot of um well almost all premier league clubs um i guess i guess you is it, it i don't know i don't really I, I guess it depends and it's quite specific on how how the the ownership group works between clubs whether it's 
that Lorient, I don't know if, if it's a, well, you'd hope it was a, is a, a two-way thing kind of, that Lorient benefit as much as, you know, Bournemouth do. Um, but it's, it's well, it's very likely they'll lose at least one of their players. I think Watter is the, the most likely given the, the recent um, rumours we've heard. Um, but it's a shame because they, they weren't that far away from, I mean, how I think it's what four points away from. Yeah, it drops off a little bit, but not, not yeah. far away from European football. Still sitting in seventh, and like you say, thirty-two points, yeah. five off of fifth. Yeah, it's still, still been a hell of a season, really. Yeah, and there is there is scope to keep some of them players for you know, I don't I don't I don't know why, but I just don't see them losing all you know the big ones are Watara, Moffy, and Lafay. I don't know, maybe they do lose them all because they're really good players. Um, but yeah, you'd like I mean, like you said, you you do have um the funds behind you then. Because mm. I mean, look at what not not really on the pitch, but look at what Twa have done in terms of their signings. Um, yeah, they've been able to splash the cash um quite a lot, especially compared with, just from like a for a promoted side to to be to be spending quite a lot of that money. Yeah. Um, so you'd hope with with um, if Laurent were able to, to to sort of get that back in, then who knows what what could happen? But um, yeah. what do you think as a as a as a supporter? <laughs> thoroughly <laughs> thoroughly fed up with it all. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, like you know, like, we we all we all knew that um, particularly Moffy was was the one that I'm I'm slightly surprised surprised at Watara purely because he's very young and this is the season he's, yeah, he's only definitely. coming in the summer and I, you know. He, Probably too early. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, mm. And I said to in one of our groups, what's our groups? I have on um, a couple of Arsenal fans, and I've got a Southampton fan in there, and Barcelona fan, and all sorts. And I, I, I was saying that Watara will probably be one of those players who'd be brilliant in the Championship when Bournemouth go down, um, because that's <laughs> yeah. probably the level he's at right the now. kind of vibes. Exactly, that's exactly the player I was thinking of. That's exactly right. Mm. Um, so I, I think for and I don't blame Watara I, at all. There's no no blame on the player. Like a bigger quote unquote mm-hmm. bigger club comes in, Premier League money, etc. Yeah, you know, I don't blame him at all. But I do think it's too early. Moffy is a slightly different case. <clears throat> Full international, he's been scoring goals consistently now for two and a half seasons. Um, I think we all knew he was going to move on, and he was a hell of a find. And I think he was about two million quid when they bought him. So. You know that that's logical, and I, th- I think the latest is Nice are fighting out with West Ham and maybe Everton over him. So, um, and Enzo Lefay, that would break my heart because I just I adore the man to the point where I might actually end up getting a conviction for stalking. Uh, I'm joking, but he's he's a wonderful talent, and I, I really think he's he's the sort of guy that I would love to see him do what Savanier's done at you know Montpellier, for example, like become that cult cult iconic figure who just doesn't you know, who stays there for a number of years and the team is built around him. But realistically, again, the first good bid comes in, he's probably going to go. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. And I just feel that, let's be realistic, Lorient would start started this season with an, uh, a manager or a coach who no one really knew anything about his pedigree um, and would have, their primary goal would be to stay in the league. And as you mentioned there, they're, they're in a European fight right now, which is which is amazing. If we yeah, now, amazing, yeah. if we drop off now, if we sell, for example, those three players or others, I mean, people have looked at Lauren Abergel, for example, as well. Um, if if we, if it now all dropped or dropped away and they ended up finishing sort of twelfth, thirteenth, it would be pretty disappointing, if I'm honest. Mm. But that's just how I how I view it. Um, 
Jez, I don't want to sort of bombard you with too much of this, but do you have a view on ownership and, and whether it's a good or bad thing? I mean, I, you know, the, there is the, the high end element of like your PSGs and, and your Man City groups, etc. But when it comes down to a you know, Laurie on Bournemouth, it's quite a, a low key side of things, isn't it? And then we've already touched on the, the situation at Nice with their ownership. Is it a sign of the fact that the league just can't compete with this TV deal, for example, money wise? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think all the leagues, none of the leagues can compete in any way whatsoever with the, with the Premier League. And I suppose as long as there's no obvious conflicts of interest, in theory, there shouldn't be an issue with, with groups or whatever owning more than one club. But it's just the concern that, you know, is it really a sort of, is it always going to be a partnership that benefits both parties? Mm. Um, presumably the owners are always going to lean towards whichever one is likely to make more money um so you do, you know does it mean that Lorient develop players that Bournemouth can buy you know using that one as an example that Bournemouth can buy on the cheap whereas Lorient get dumped with the trash with Bournemouth's <laughs> cast-offs for example yeah. I don't know like yeah so that that's always the concern um and just more generally, obviously, the fact that, you know, with all due respect to Bournemouth, not that I have much, um, you know, that it's, you know, it's hardly a big four, big six club. The fact that, you know, even their owners now are, are sort of able to take over pretty much league our sides is just, mm. it doesn't leave a bad taste. It's just pretty depressing, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. And the bit that I don't get, if Laurier aren't in sort of terrible financial trouble, is why why they need to do these things in January. Why not at least wait till the end of the season, especially mm. when they're having such a good season and, you know, do have a decent chance of European qualification. Yeah. Well, just just if you, if you know, do, do you know if Laurier were actually for sale? Were they actually looking for... I don't... I, it's a very... It's a very tough one to answer that. I, I think they were always open to sale because they're owned, mm. or they were owned, uh, the, I forget the guy's name. Um, he's a British. Ferry. He's a British. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. He's a British, British kind of led, <clears throat> which I think probably is where some of this has come about, this Bournemouth links. There's obviously British links in, in Lorient, but they've always been well well run. I, th mm. I think the, the sort of, I, th I almost feel like it's that they're looking at it from a perspective of, well, if we've got sellable assets, we get them out the door, we get them while the money's hot because this coach is mm. is that good that we can afford to let these good players go and just bring in new players. Um, and I think that's a risky business because for every for every sort of Labrice that, that breaks through, two seasons later, you've got a Julian Stefan. So, you know what I mean? I think it's very risky. And of course, you run the risk if if Labrice does continue this this path. He won't be there long either, because mm. there'll be other clubs that will look at him. So I, I, I think, I think Lorient have almost been dumped with this kind of we don't really know where we should be aiming right now sort of situation. You know, it's like this has all come so fast. Um, and, and make no mistake, if if they got into Europe, they're not ready anyway, <laughs> shape or form. So it would be it, it wouldn't be a good thing in, in a way, but it would make money. So. And, and they're a tiny club. That's, you know, they are a very small club, especially in the Breton region, some mammoth rivals around. So I, I don't really know is the short answer to behind how this has all come about, but I would suspect the English links and 
um, you know, the finance people who who run the who have been running the club were open to selling um, if the terms were right. And it seems like I don't really know a lot about this guy who's bought them either. Like he seems to be is it Foley is his name? Is it is it Foley? I think that's his name. Or am I getting confused with somebody else? Um, but yeah, I, it's I think it's American, it, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, like he is English. I, th- I think it's Foley. I'll have to check that. But um, yeah, I, I, it just feels like it feels like an opportunistic sale more than a planned sale to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are ultimately open to making money, and you know, it is what it is, I suppose. But so, so it, so it is, so it is. Um, right, we have gone quite long, so um, we are going to sort of start to wrap things up. But I did just want to have a quick look at League Du. Um, you wanted to mention this as well, Tom, didn't you? Because you've been having a quick flick through what's going on down there and and the form of of one Lave, who are uh, I think it's eleven points clear at the top now of Bordeaux. Um, and Jazz, I'm sure we'll have something to say about Mets, who are uh, hot on the heels in third. But um, yeah, what's your thoughts? Maybe mention, maybe we should mention St Etienne in eighteenth. By the way, two two wins on the spin, but still eighteenth. What's um, what's your thoughts on on what you've seen down there? Are you are you looking at who you're going to be playing next season? Is that what this is all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, I'm, I'm wondering when we, who's going to get our first game of the year against, um, depending on how our form goes in league end. Um, but yeah, Love, I mean, fairly well known um, as uh, an amazing club to to produce talent. Could go on for quite a while naming some of the the players that come through that academy. And I think they're yeah nine points um, at the top of the table at the moment. Obviously, middle of the season, um, but they've just been. I think it's just kind of been coming for quite a long time. They've always been. I think they've had. I think they've got to the playoffs quite a few consecutive seasons or been there or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like this could be their year to finally get back into the top flight, which would be quite a nice story. Yeah. Um, and then below them, you've got Bordeaux that are, that are coming back after the car crash of last season, um, the second place. And then Jazzy's Mets, um, he might, might want to talk about what's going on there. Um and of course, the, is the, well, I'm trying to get this in my head now. That is the league they're reducing to 18 teams as well, isn't it? Uh, yes, four, yeah, four relegation spots, yeah. Right, okay. I don't know what's happened to National, but okay. Um, and then obviously down there, you've got Nîmes, who were in league in, what, three seasons ago? Maybe two, mm, three, two or three seasons Please. ago. I want to say three, but yeah, certainly yeah. within the last five years, yeah. Yeah, um, they're struggling down there. Um, and then, yes, yeah, St. Etienne, like we said, um, I've just got two two recent wins. They've, they've been bringing um, people in like Charbonnier, who's a league de goal scoring special specialty, basically. That's it. that's what he does. His yeah. best. Um, and then uh, Larson has come in, so they, they're on the, the charge up to try and survive this season. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention was quite well a a story that was horrible at first but turned out to be quite nice um obviously relates to Angers of course I don't (laughs) speak about this club anyway so the former club the former manager of the club um Stefan Moulon who was basically a legend he he was a player in the 80s and he'd been there for for ages and obviously got us to promoted um he uh he's been at Caen for the past well he was there start last season um and he joined 
one of the reasons he joined because the president is was the guy who got sacked from Angers originally as a sporting director. Mm. And then when Moulin moved on from Angers, he brought a load of his staff with him and all of his staff had been with him for, or had known, you know, been friends with him for at least a decade, some much, much more. Um, and unfortunately, he was, he, well, he had been on the sidelines for, for a few weeks and it turned out, um, I think it was last week that his wife, uh, Armella, passed away. So he was at her bedside for the whole time. Yeah. And um, so the her funeral schedule for this Saturday, well, sorry, Saturday just gone. The club contacted the uh, FA and the broadcasters to say, can you move the, the date? They all agreed. And then they went to Socho, who were hosting the game, and Socho said no. And <laughs> mm. um, I think they said something about they couldn't get the the staff in place or the security in place. And then they came out in a press conference saying, I think it was something to do with, we're only here for the football, which is kind of vile. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> a lot of stick on social media, a lot from their own fans who were pretty disgusted with that. Mm. Um, and then eventually they turned it around and said, yeah, we, we can. Um, so that's been rescheduled for, I think it's Friday. Yeah. It's just a nice... Really nice sort of story in the end because not only you know is it tough for Mulan, but all them all the staff that I've known for so long are, were very close friends. It's, it was well back in the good days of Angers, it was a very family club, and all the you know all the the coaches were, were genuine friends off the field, so they would have known Armel as well yeah. as you know the, the players as well. So, um, and he I think he came out in a statement after the funeral and just said you know he's really thankful for to Socho and and this club as well. So that's a nice story. Um, yeah. Well, you know, a horrible thing to lose. Shouldn't have to got to the point it got to almost yeah, to be where but, um, it is. But yeah, you're right. The, the the outcome was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one, yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, do you want two minutes on Mets, Jez, before we quickly wrap up the national team news or... They're doing they're doing well and they're still not really sort of pulling up any cheese in terms of the quality of performance, but um, you know, they're they're managing to get a run together. They haven't sort of none of their, their recent wins have been against top teams, but you still need to, I guess, dig out results against the the ones that are lower down as well. And you know, there have been matches earlier in the season where they probably didn't get what they deserved. So yeah, it's, it's good that they sort of crept up there. It's only two up and there's no playoffs, I don't think, this year. So um, it's going to be sort of tough to get one of those top two places, especially as, as Tom said, that they're, they're effectively really probably only playing for one place now. But mm-hmm. um, And a lot, as usual, depends on sort of who's still there at the end of the, the transfer window. You know, Kiate will be a big loss because he is a very good player. But mm. um, they they sort of, it's taken them a while, but they are sort of settling. They've got a couple of players who were signed during their league out time and never really looked league out quality yet and are now starting to show a bit of quality at, on the lower division. Um, Mikitauser is the, the second top scorer in, in league at the moment. It's, it's looking really good. So hopefully they can put on a bit of a charge, but I think it's going to be tough to, to sort of knock Bordeaux out of second place. Yeah. Yeah, it does, does appear like we're going to get Bordeaux back. Um, but it would be nice to see La That's a, a new team. I always like to see new teams on the bounce. Mm. Um, just before we wrap up then, we did. you, you just want to have a quick word on the Noah Legret 
uh, situation with the French national team. Um, and we've also, uh, we're bidding farewell to two stalwarts in the goalkeeping department, Hugo Lloris and Steve Mandanda, both hung their boots up for the national side, although Lloris arguably hung his boots up for the club side as well at the weekend. I had to crowbar that in. I'm sorry. Sorry, Hugo. Love you, really. Um, but yeah, well, th- th- this sort of um, situation with, with Leglet is, is it's picked up a bit, hasn't it, Jez, to be fair, that this has all come about off the back of the Zidane incident, which is probably not the big story in, in the allegations that are actually against him, really, is it? That, that's probably the big thing here. Yeah, that that's what pisses me off. I don't think anyone's going to shed too many tears about the fact that he's he's leaving. Um, and, yeah, you know, innocent until proven guilty. But there's, it seems that there's been sort of enough more than rumours about him and his behaviour, particularly towards female members of staff over the years. Um, you know, even the way that that he dealt with Deschamps' contract extension, basically sort of unilaterally making the decision and, and making it quite a long, a long contract where I think most people would have said that two years probably would have been more appropriate. I think that there's enough there to to find a way to either get rid of him or lean on him to to resign or certainly sort of not extend beyond his current term what the only, what's pissed me off is that this all suddenly came about because of the the comments he made about Zidane basically in an interview he was uh asked about you know Zidane taking over from Deschamps and you know wasn't it his his sort of time to to be appointed and all this kind of thing and whether or not you believe the stuff that they had been talking about it in the lead up to the World Cup, I don't know. But um, his his response very stupidly and sort of characteristically crassly was pretty much, I couldn't care less about Zidane and I wouldn't even pick up the phone if he called me. Yes, it's completely disrespectful, but it would be disrespectful to anyone. And I just think that the fuss that's been made because it's Zidane I get it. Of course, he's a national legend. I'm not disputing that in any way whatsoever. But um, the fact that that's been used as the the sort of main catalyst to get rid of him, I just think is is really wrong. I mean, Le Gaffi, which is a sort of a little bit like the the Daily Mash or the Onion um, in France, put out an, an article today saying. Um, you know, insulting Zidane is soon going to be punishable with a four-year prison sentence and three hundred thousand euro fine, and it, it sort of did feel like that. I mean, legend that he is, yeah, he did well at Real. I'm still not absolutely convinced that that he cut it as a as an international coach, but I just, to me, it's been weird the the sort of reaction. It, like I said, it was rude and disrespectful, but it wasn't some kind of sickening blasphemy or anything like that. And as great as Zidane was, he's just another human being. And also, I just found the reaction extremely disrespectful to Deschamps and everything. I know that Deschamps is sort of closely tied to Le Grey, but everything that he's achieved for France, I think he deserves more respect. Um, and frankly... You know, there's nothing to say that Zidane is to take over by right. So no. it's kind of almost disrespectful to any future potential candidate as France coach as well. And and that the whole sort of world has decided that Zidane will be the next coach 
is kind of in a way as bad as Le Gret deciding by himself that Deschamps should continue as coach, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and, you know, I expect the likes of Dugarry, who clearly is a cock and knows half his career to the fact that he happens to be a friend of Zidane. There's no surprise that he's been slagging off to uh, Deschamps left, right and centre. Lisa Razou gave an interview yesterday. I'm a lot more surprised about that, considering that he's quite good friends with Deschamps. Um, again, I agree where he says that Zidane deserves more respect, but I'm surprised that he didn't sort of give a little bit of Deschamps' side as well. And if I was Deschamps, I'd have just, I'd, I'd have quit and told the whole country to fuck off, basically. <laughs> and, and I just, Zidane's been very quiet himself, but I think he's a very, I think, although he weirdly comes across as a sort of a bit of a naive, innocent guy, I think he's quite manipulative in the background. I think he has been all his career. I think, I genuinely think that the way that Henri has been painted as some kind of national pariah has got something to do with some of Zidane's machinations. I don't think he liked it when Henri was quietly becoming the best player in the world. Mm. Um, and I think Zidane is putting a lot of strings. He's got a lot of friends in the media. And although he's not actually coming out and saying anything, I think he's been manipulating a lot of this and like I said for Le Gray I don't care that much I just think it leaves a bad taste not just a Deschamps but for a lot more serious reasons that somehow this was the big outcry rather than you know very serious questions to be answered about um, sexual discrimination and things like that mm. um, but also I just you know whereas maybe he should have been treated a bit more respectfully. I think Deschamps more than should have been and hasn't been. Yeah, agree. Just just quickly um, on that, do you think the Mbappe reaction is what's triggered a lot of this? Because he, obviously, there's so much that is going through him as the future of French football. There is even talk that he's going to take the captaincy on for the national team now. Um, do you think it's his reaction that has prompted a lot of this because he was so... You know, he was so vocal, like, you do not say this about a legend. And, you know, that's good for his PR to back Zidane, of course it is. But is that maybe why this has blown up as big as it has, do you think? Yeah, I mean, Lecky published today, they're um, sort of, they do an, an annual thing of like the 30 people who, um, you know, the biggest influences on French football. And Zidane, uh, Mbappe is number one. And, you know, I don't think there's any disputing that. And yeah. as you said, he's getting standing ovations every away match at the moment. You know, exactly a month ago today, he was scoring a hat-trick in the World Cup final. He's earned, he's earned a lot of it. But as we said before, I think a lot of the stuff about the, you know, for example, the the stuff about players' rights, um, on the one hand, good for him standing up for that. On the other hand, to me, it seems very hypocritical when you're playing for a club that's owned by Qataris. Um, you know, his mum, I think, was in the top 10, and she's the one who deals with all his sort of commercial contracts, things like that. To me, that's worrying if, if she's genuinely seen as sort of among the 10 most influential people in French football. And yeah, he, although he's earned it to an extent for one person or player to, to be that influential is slightly concerning. Um so, yeah, I do, I do think it probably did have an effect. Um, and by the same token, Deschamps has been very slagged off for 
for not standing up and saying anything out loud against Leclerc, which I also think, so think is unfair. Mbappe is a player. He's not an employee of the French Football Federation. He can say things like that and get away with it. Deschamps is an employee. If he was to stand up and publicly say something against his boss, you know, mm. that's that's grounds for dismissals. And I don't think it's fair that people have been criticising him for, for that as well. No, no, no. I, I I pretty much agree with every word there. I, I can't can't say any different. It does seem a little bit like it's uh, a little bit sus what's going on there. But change could be good in the long run if that is what we get out of this. But um, I guess we shall have to wait and see. Um, which is exactly what we're going to do for this podcast because we have gone a little bit longer tonight. So um, hopefully we we've kept you all entertained. But we did have two games or two rounds to get through, and we could have talked about the you know the brilliance of, of Monaco and the brilliance of Rennes and, and all these clubs we've missed out so apologies to them but we we worked with what we had um next week we have got uh no fixtures because we have the Coupe de France the last 32 I think it is this weekend um so we will not be previewing the next round of games because they don't happen until the following week so we will be back next week to cover those couple of corkers in there by the way as well so look forward to that um just remains for me to thank my guests then uh, tom thanks for coming back on very late notice for for us to uh, to holler at you so thank you once again and of course we will get you back on again in the near future i'm sure yeah thanks for having me you're very welcome and uh good luck to Angers in whatever may a point a point that's all i want just, a point. <laughs> just give Come us on. a point Oh, goodness me. And uh, Jez, as always, thank you for your time. Much appreciated. And uh, we'll be back next week to discuss more, I'm sure. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Right. Uh, Phil will probably be back with us as well next week, <clears throat> all being well. So we will be we'll be there. Um, in terms of what we're going to discuss next week, obviously, Coupe de France coverage in the UK is not the best. So uh, I don't 100% know how much depth we're going to be able to go into. We may even skip a week. We'll see what happens. But we'll certainly be back, if not next week, the following week with uh, the results of the games that are happening on the 27th of week weekend commencing. But uh, keep an eye on the Twitter account as usual. Thank you very much for everybody who tunes in, listens, sends us feedback, etc. It's really appreciated. Uh, we'll be back soon. And if you can actually get a chance to watch any Coupe de France action, uh, enjoy your French football. And we will speak to you very soon. <laughs>